Welcome to the King's Word Bible Study. Today our topic is going to be Root of Bitterness. Let's begin today in Hebrews chapter 12. In Hebrews chapter 12, beginning in the ninth verse, it says, Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Wherefore lift up the hands which hang down, and the feeble knees, and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. Follow peace with all men, and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently, lest any man fail the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. The second half of verse 15 said, Lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. A root of bitterness is an interesting phrase. This not only happens in churches, it also happens in the lives of individuals. There are countless Christians today, all around the world, who have allowed a root of bitterness to spring up in their heart. This is something that isn't talked about a lot, but it's something that people deal with, and it's something that should be taken seriously. Many people have allowed the root of bitterness into their life, and instead of removing it, they just cover it over, and those roots go deeper and deeper into their heart and get a stronger and better foothold in their life. We need to take a closer look at verse 15 to see what exactly we're talking about. The word bitterness in Greek means harshness, an embittered, resentful spirit. Bitterness is bad enough on its own, but the worst part of it is that it doesn't even end in and of itself. It goes on and produces fruits, which roots do in the natural. The phrase springing up in the Greek means to bring forth, produce, to grow up. Bitterness produces fruits in a person's life, and if left unchecked, these fruits can then destroy a man's life. Bitterness can easily lead to unforgiveness, anger, resentment, envy, covetousness, and many other evil things. It can grow within a person's heart until it begins to take over and consume that person's life. Bitterness is not something that is merely natural. It's beyond that. It's a spirit. We find that also in the use of the word trouble. In Greek, it means to crowd in, to annoy, to disturb, to cause tumult. The concordance also goes on to say that it means in or amongst a tumultuous crowd or mob, to vex someone, as with the force of a raging mob, a mighty momentum to carry someone along. This is a powerful force that carries someone away from God. It carries their perspective, their attitude, their mentality, their conversation, their actions, and every other part of their life away from God's will and subjects these things to their own carnal will. This is what bitterness will do. Mob rule in the natural is characterized by anarchy, chaos, and lawlessness, and it works the same way in the spiritual. A root of bitterness will lead to anarchy, chaos, and lawlessness in a person's life. They'll lack peace, love, contentment, joy, and all the other good things that can't coexist with an embittered spirit. This specific Greek word is only used twice in Scripture. Its only other use is in Luke 6 and 18 which in the classic Amplified Bible says, Even those who were disturbed and troubled with unclean spirits, and they were being healed also. 
In the King James, it's translated as vexed. This shows us even more clearly that we're not dealing with something natural. Bitterness is a spirit, and it's an unclean spirit. It's a spirit that not only wants to oppress you, it then wants to possess you and control your life. This is what it does to many in the world. We see many people all around us who have been consumed by their own bitterness and resentment. But for us who are Christians, it can't possess or control us, but it will definitely oppress us if we give it the opportunity to do so. Bitterness may feel like a natural thing to feel depending on the circumstances. People will many times attempt to justify their bitterness based off what they went through or what someone did to them or how their lot in life turned out. To the non-Christian, this may seem to make sense. Why shouldn't they feel bitter? But bitterness isn't really understood for what it is, especially in the spiritual sense. When people indulge in bitterness, thinking it part of the natural mental processing of bad situations, they're playing with a dangerous spiritual substance, and their little indulgence in a bitter thought can lead to an all-consuming obsession that ruins their life. This is especially important for us as Christians. We know that bitterness is wrong and not something that we should tolerate in our lives. Scripture makes this abundantly clear. Ephesians 4 and 31 gives us a direct command. It says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. The Lord didn't say let some bitterness or let a little bitterness. He said let all bitterness be put away from you. All means all. We can't tolerate bitterness at any degree or in any form. We have to eradicate it from our lives. We know that this is a command, but still so many Christians still feel bitter. But why? One of the main reasons is that instead of getting rid of their bitterness, they hide it. They cover it over, masking the situation, hoping that if they just ignore it, it'll go away on its own. But it doesn't work that way. Some people do this thinking that it's gone and done away with, when it always springs up again years later down the line. Verse 15 said, a root of bitterness. Roots go downward. They receive their nutrients from the soil. Nothing can be seen on the surface of the ground. Everything's happening underground. This is a natural principle that works the same with spiritual things. Isaiah 37 and 31 says, And the remnant that has escaped to the house of Judah shall again take root downward and bear fruit upward. Bitterness can be hidden easily because it doesn't always show itself on the surface. Many times it's marinating in the heart unseen by others around us. We may think it's not there, but the roots continue to grow until they're ready to bear fruit. We may say that we don't feel any bitterness, and for many people that may be true. But for someone who really does have a root of bitterness, no matter how much they refute it to others, when they take a hard look inside, they'll inwardly know that bitterness is lying somewhere beneath the surface. Proverbs 14 and 10 tells us, The heart knoweth his own bitterness, and a stranger doth not intermeddle with his joy. If we're honest with ourselves and honest with the Lord, we'll know when there's bitterness lurking in our hearts. Deuteronomy 29 and 18 also sheds more light on this. Many Bible commentators believe that it's possible that the writer of Hebrews had this in mind when he wrote Hebrews 12 and 15. It says, Lest there should be among you, man or woman or family or tribe, whose heart turneth away this day from the Lord our God, to go and serve the gods of these nations, lest there should be among you a root that beareth gall and wormwood. The classic Amplified Bible translates this verse as, Lest there should be among you a poisonous root that bears gall and wormwood. The Living Bible translates this phrase as, 
That day a root will be planted that will grow bitter and poisonous fruit. This reveals a lot to us. The first thing that we can gather from this is that the fruit that comes from the bitter root is not only bitter itself, but is also poisonous. Bitterness is a poison in the human heart. It works slowly and methodically to dismantle a man from the inside out. Eventually, it manifests in day-to-day -day life. It ruins relationships, friendships, employment, and worst of all, it can ruin a person's walk with God. The fruit, the unforgiveness, anger, covetousness, envy, and resentment, and all the other fruits will spread to others, because others are the recipients of these fruits. All these fruits have some object. They're directed to someone, whether that be ourselves, those around us, or even to God. The devil uses bitterness to oppress us. It's one of his best working devices, but he also wants the oppression to spread. There's an old saying that says misery loves company. That's true, and bitterness wants the same thing. Bitterness, as a spirit, isn't content to just attack one person or just to reside in one person. It wants more territory, and it achieves it by being contagious. A bitter person will make others around them bitter, and then the bitterness grows. A bitter thought leads to bitter words, bitter actions, a bitter character, and lastly, a bitter life. We see this from verse 15 also. It starts out on an individual level, but ends on a communal level. It said, Was any root of bitterness springing up trouble you? This is speaking on the individual level. It's speaking to you specifically. Then it changes. The second half reads, And thereby many be defiled. A root of bitterness in you will lead to many people experiencing bitterness because they'll be the recipient and object of the bitter poisonous fruit being produced and those fruits, just like all fruits, will have seeds that are then planted, taking root in someone else's life and it starts a chain reaction that begins to spread. Bitterness casts a wide net, attempting to get as many people as possible enveloped in its folds. One root easily and quickly leads to many roots. For the Christian, the most important question by far that we need to ask ourselves is how does this happen? What leads up to this point? How does the root get planted in a person's heart in the first place? Deuteronomy 29 and 18 gave us the answer. It's in the phrase, whose heart turneth away this day from the Lord our God. Turning away from God, putting something or someone else in his place, making him less of a priority in our life. This is what sets the stage for bitterness. This is what makes the conditions right for the root to grow. So now we have to ask, what does this actually look like day to day? When we're spending less time talking to God, less time reading the Word, less time in the house of God, we'll notice subtle changes beginning to happen in our lives. We'll leave the door wide open. The worst change that takes place is a change in perspective. Bitterness changes the way that we look at everything. Bitterness almost always has the same source. Bitterness comes from a perceived wrong. When we think that we've been wrong in any capacity or to any degree, whether it's true or not, that creates fertile soil for the enemy to plant the seed of bitterness in our lives. This is the critical moment. If we immediately rebuke the bitterness and not give it any place in our lives, then it can be removed before it even takes root. But if we give it time and space to fester, it will, and we'll find that it's taken root in our minds and hearts. This makes it more difficult to remove. If you feel that you've been done wrong to, then you'll find it hard to forgive that person. This is the moment where the enemy offers ways to justify the feelings of bitterness. You may start to say, I would have loved to forgive that person if only they hadn't done what they had done. 
or I would have forgiven someone for that if only it wasn't them specifically, or I would have forgave them if only they didn't go so far. These are all platitudes to disguise an unforgiving, bitter heart. There's no way around it. There are no scriptural qualifications for forgiveness. We're called to forgive everyone, no matter what they've done or who they are. If we don't, then we're allowing our bitterness to dictate our action. We'll find that if we feel that we've been done wrong to, that we'll be angry at the one who we think did the wrong. We may wish bad things to happen to them, or begin to resent them and even hate them because of what occurred, but we can't hold anger or a grudge in our hearts. This only weakens us, because all the energy and effort that we're putting into our anger could have been better placed in other areas of our lives, especially our relationship with the Lord. We'll justify this by saying, how could we not be angry at them? Or it's only natural to be angry. Or we may even say that they deserve to receive our anger. All of these are just moral lies that we tell ourselves to justify what we know can't be justified. So we can just ignore our bitterness for just a little longer. We may start to feel envy when we've been wronged. Maybe we feel envy at others who seem to have more in life than we do. Or people who seem to achieve more or people who seem to be more popular, or have more wealth, or anything else. And this makes us start to lose contentment with our own life, which slowly eats at us. We'll justify this by saying that you would feel envy too, if you had the same set of circumstances. Or I've done more, why should they have all that they do? Or why should they get all those things, when other people are more deserving? But we're just lying to ourselves, covering for our bitter heart. All of the fruits begin to manifest when we think that we've been wronged, whether we actually were, or even if we just think that we were. All these things will ruin our interactions with others and cause our life to become more stressful, more chaotic, more miserable, and will cause us to lack all the greatest gifts of God that would have otherwise belonged to us. When people indulge in this particular type of thinking, it puts them down a dangerous path, which is what the poisonous part of the fruit is. Soon when people feel wronged, they start to get introspective, which isn't bad in and of itself, but it can easily become over the top when people dwell on their situation too much. Soon it skews their perspective, and they get deeper and deeper into their own head. Now they constantly think that they're being wronged. They constantly think that people owe them apologies or some form of restitution. They constantly think that they're the victim of some attack of another person. They think those around them, and maybe even the world at large, is always working against them. But this gets to the point where it's self-delusional. They become self-ensconced in their own head, only concerned with what happened to them, how they feel, what others did to them. They never give much thought to how the other people feel, or how they see it, or how their lives are going, because bitterness doesn't care about others. It only cares about the self. Bitterness in its extreme form looks like a narcissistic, self-consumed person who is constantly the victim, no matter what occurs. We see this happening all around us today. We find an entire generation with this mentality because the roots of bitterness are growing in people's lives and no one's doing anything about it. The fruits are growing unimpeded and they're being freely shared amongst others. Bitterness is gaining an ever-increasing foothold in our communities, in our nation, in our churches, and in our society. Bitterness takes all the focus off of God, all the focus off of others, and puts every last ounce of focus on the self. This is why bitterness is the greatest and most common thief of joy. It's been said that joy is an acronym for Jesus, others, and yourself. It's said that as long as you keep your perspective and your priorities in that order, you'll be able to have and experience the blessings of joy in your life. 
but bitterness does the opposite. It inverts it and gets a man consumed with himself. Let's go to Acts chapter 8. In Acts chapter 8, beginning in the 17th verse, it says, Then laid they their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. And when Simon saw that through the laying on in the apostles' hands, the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me also this power, that on whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. But Peter said unto him, Thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter, for thy heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent therefore of this thy wickedness, and pray God, if perhaps the fault of thine heart may be forgiven thee. For I perceive that thou art in the gall of bitterness, and in the bond of iniquity. Then answered Simon, and said, Pray to the Lord for me, that none of these things which ye have spoken come upon me. Verse 23 told us, For I perceive that thou art in the gall of bitterness, and in the bond of iniquity. This gets to the heart of the matter. People are in bondage to bitterness. They're living their lives, continually being poisoned by it. Most people don't realize that this is happening. Many others know that they're bitter and want to be freed, but just don't know how. We also find that many Christians feel bitter, but try to avoid the feelings. Something that they couldn't possibly feel bitter if they're saved, so something must be wrong with them. And this makes them never say anything about it, which causes it to fester unabated. But no matter what the specifics of the case are, the fact is that people need to be freed from this bondage. They need this poison removed from their system. God is the only one who can neutralize the poison's effect. The same way that the adder bit Paul and nothing happened, the Lord will do the same for us with the poison of bitterness. But there's still something that we have to do. This brings us back to when bitterness first appears. We need to rebuke the bitterness that we feel right now. We need to bring it before the Lord and lay it down before Him in worship so that He can take the burden on our behalf. We need to push past our feelings in the natural and forgive those that we don't want to forgive. We need to apologize to those who we've acted rashly towards. And we need to stop trying to find our contentment in things that we don't have and find it in what we do have right now. When we do feel like we've been wronged, we need to change our perspective. It's been said that we should get better, not bitter. It may seem like a small difference between the two words, but the contrast couldn't be more stark. When we encounter wrongdoing against us, we need to forgive and forget. And we need to be willing to take whatever lesson we can learn from it and allow God to continually mold us into a better version of ourselves. Unfortunately, many do the exact opposite and allow the enemy to mold them into a bitter version of themselves, highlighting the worst facets of their character and heart. There's a lesson in everything, even the worst wrong that's been done to us, if only we're willing to find it and use it for what it's worth. We live in a fallen world. Wrong is an unfortunate evil that we're always going to be faced with. It's never going away. We can make the choice to always see the world as against us and let it make us bitter and miserable. We can drink the poison of its fruits. Or we can see God as for us, using these wrongs for our good and betterment, making us joyful and content, and drink the living water that only God can give us. Don't let bitterness take root. Root it out. Rebuke it. Get it out of your life before it gets a foothold. Let's make the choice today to let the Lord take our bitterness and turn it into joy. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank you for this day, and we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that we don't have to live bitter lives, that that's not your will for us. 
We thank you that we don't have to be miserable and angry and discontent and envious and all these other things. Lord, we rebuke these things. We cast them out of our life. They have no rightful place within our hearts. Lord, today we desire to root out that root of bitterness that the enemy has subtly tried to plant within our minds and our hearts. Lord, we thank you that that's not the way that our story has to go. Lord, we ask for the wisdom to keep our perspective right, to keep our focus on the right things, to stay focused on you and on your things, on your word, and to stay focused on others before ourselves. Lord, we thank you that you are going to redirect our course, redirect our hearts and our minds. We thank you that you are going to renew us so that we can have joy instead. And Lord, we thank you for all these great things that you have for us, the joy and the peace and the contentment and the love that can only be found in you. Lord, we refuse to drink of that poison. Lord, we want to drink of the living water. And we thank you that you freely offer it to us. And Lord, we ask that the same way that bitterness tries to spread, that the hope and the joy and the love that we have will spread to others. Lord, we thank you that you're going to neutralize the effect of that poison in our hearts and in all the hearts of those around us. Lord, we thank you for the change that is coming, that our bitterness will be turned into joy. Lord, we give you all the honor, all the praise, and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you want your bitterness to be turned into joy and to have Jesus as a part of your life today, all you need to do is to invite Jesus into your heart to be your personal Lord and Savior. You then need to repent of your sins and ask for his forgiveness. Then you trust that you've been forgiven and you ask for his free gift of eternal life. Now, if you prayed this from a sincere heart and you truly meant it, then you are now a part of the family of God. Welcome to God's family. We want to thank everybody for listening today. We appreciate you taking out your time to spend with us. If you'd like to give us feedback and tell us how much you appreciate this show, you can contact us at kingswordbiblestudy at gmail.com. If you'd like to learn more about this program and this ministry, you can visit kingswordbible.com. We appreciate also if you write a review from wherever you're listening to this podcast from. And if you follow and subscribe, so that more people can hear the King's Word for themselves. God bless you. We want you to know that we love you all. And we will see you next week as we continue to study the King's Word together.